Perfect. All right, so you ready? No, I didn't hear anything. I tell you, if I, uh, if I, I'm a kind of a blubbering crybaby this week for some reason. God's really hit my uh, emotions, and as we, as He's really put this message on my heart, as soon as Jim talked to me about it um, a while back. Sorry, I'm not an alien. It was a free bag, and uh, I wear a hat everywhere I go because I'm bald. But um, no, it's just it's amazing. I, I put out a, a lot of people are like, well, why why would a pastor, a chaplain who does this all the time, put a prayer request to pray for me when I'm preaching? Well, I would hope all of you would if you're in the Word of God, <laughs> because especially if you're sharing in public, uh, I'm kind of responsible for what I share to you. Um, not kind of, I am <laughs> responsible, and that's a daunting task if it was up to me. The cool part is it's not up to me. It's up to me to be obedient to the Word, and so I'm, just, I'm doing what Olivia told us. I'm trusting in God for, for this. Um, also, this morning, I, I woke up to an unbelievable email that just put me in tears. I'm sitting at my keyboard. Um, I love that when people say they're praying for you. It kind of matches what Scripture says to spur one on another into good deeds and, and righteousness. And, and uh, so if God puts something on your heart to do that for other people, that's really cool. Um, and also, uh, I'm not going to call the person out, but when you walk through life with someone that you love deeply and, and you see the attacks all around and, and then you see them kind of really come into a, a complete understanding and, and speak in a, in a different manner. It just overwhelms me, God's love and mercy and his timing. Um, my, my timing, I would have I would loved it to have been something different, but you know what? It's God's timing's perfect. So don't give up on people you're praying for or you're walking with and you're loving on. You know, it's not your timing anyways. And uh, a lot of times we can almost try to help too much in the wrong time. Just be on God's timing. His timing's perfect. Um, also, I wasn't going to say anything, but Marty talked to me uh, um, I deploy in a couple weeks for, uh, for six months. Um, that doesn't bother me. It's a war zone. Who cares? We're in a war zone every day. You know, uh, the enemies we're fighting over there, the boss is active over here in spiritual lives every day. So, but uh, it doesn't get any easier. And I tell you, you know, you would think after being married for so long, <laughs> you know, it'd be easier. But it actually, well, I can't use that word. We're in church. It stinks <laughs> to, to be apart and, uh, and then God's taught me that uh, with my shore duty here, that it was perfect timing for Cheryl and I. Uh, it was a different season in our life, and, and she's gone through a lot. Some of you know, and uh, she doesn't mind me saying this. She actually appreciates your prayer. You know, menopause is no fun, and it depends. It's different for everybody. But uh, the hardest part for me is trusting that I'm not going to be here to take care of her. So I'm trusting you as a family. And then I got to trust God bigger. He's, he's teaching me that I'm still lacking trust in some areas. And I got to totally hand Cheryl over and then take off. So she's uh, doing what most military people do in, in stressful situations. She's moving into a new house Friday without me. <laughs> and uh, so if there's anyone that can help her, you know, talk to her. And that was a shameless plug, but I do love her. And uh, I don't mind doing that. But happy Father's Day to everyone. Um, I'm not going to tell a father's story. I'm going to tell your story. I'm going to tell our story. I want God to talk to us about really who we are. I wanted to make a difference. I don't know if you heard of my prayer and God put that on my heart. Um, we need to not, um, not quit, but stop trying so hard to be in the family you're already in. All these words, and I only asked Micah to sing one song that was Good, Good Father. All of them talked about identity, who you are and who God is and the relationship you have and the truth. 
And the only thing to debunk the lies in our lives, in our heads that attack us all the time is truth. And if you don't get the truth before the battle happens, it get, the battle is harder to get through. Doesn't mean you won't get it, but, it, but if you walk into a battle with full armor and who you are, it doesn't shock you that someone in God's family suffers because the Bible says we're going to suffer. So we're not shocked by that. We're not shocked when some bad news happens. I mean, we live in a fallen world, but God's still in control in the bigger picture. So I want to tell your story and my story through Scripture today. And that's all I want to do. We're not going to be here long. Um, I think last time I preached, I went really long. Cheryl told me that, and I, and I, and I remembered that. But uh, So our key verse to start with, and then we're, we're going to hit into some Paul. So I don't normally, I'm an expositional guy. I usually go verse by verse in a section, and God's like, we're going to hit a theme. Not normally thematic, but we're going to hit a theme today. And so in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, I want you to hear this verse. Because we're going to take this verse... And we're going to go backwards to explain it through what Paul says. And then we're going to come back to 1 John. And then we're going to live in confidence without doubt. Because we're going to have a verse that's going to send us off today. Because being, being a chaplain, uh, we don't always get to preach as it sure do. But we counsel all the time. We're doing counseling. And I tell you, identity is one of the biggest things that keep people from uh, being everything God has made them to be. Already. Already done. Now, it's a process, is sanctification, but we have all this garbage um, from Western structures. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're Baptist by um, kind of polity, but I hope your identity is a Christian. And I get pinged on that all the time in the military. Like, hey, chaps, what are you? And I'm like, oh, it's an identity question. I'm a Christian. No, what are you? Uh, I'm a Christian. <laughs> you keep asking me identity questions. I'm like, oh, no, who are you endorsed by? And which could mean anything. And in the Southern Baptist Convention... Probably has, probably has the most chaplains, but the Southern Baptist Convention has local church polity, which means we have folks that are super liberal to super conservative and everything in between. So I usually tell my folks, you tell me who I am after you come to one of my services. And, uh, and that way, that's, it's the best way to find out. But let's see this first. First uh, John 3, uh, 1. Just let this sink in. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. If you don't feel love, there's a lie there because you are loved. That we should be called children of God. Okay? If you call yourself a Christian, that you understood that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you are in the family of God. We're going to unpack that. And then the author here wants to pound it because he says, and that is what we are. So whenever that whisper comes into your head that says you're not, you're not good enough, you did this, you did that, the only way to get through that is to hit him with the truth. So if you're not in God's word, it's hard to understand how to fight the lies that are everywhere around us. You know, and I tell you, uh, I spend very limited time on Facebook now because it's become so negative and it just tears my soul. Um, so I just read certain people <laughs> that are very good. Um, I got to stay away from politics. Uh, sorry. I won't go there, but I'll be somewhere else during the vote. So God bless you for watching all the commercials I won't have to see. Um, so Galatians chapter 4 is where we're going next. These are supporting verses that explain what you are. Okay, so start there. Like I said earlier in the prayer, your life can be changed today forever, even if you're already a Christian, because you may actually walk in freedom, and that is what Christ did. 
In Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ set you free. He did not set you free to struggle with doubt and disbelief. He set you free to be free. So let's go to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. But when the fullness of time had come, okay, there's a specific thing going on here. God sent forth his son. So who's the initiator of all of this family stuff? It's God the Father. It's Father's Day. We're going to talk about the great father. He's born of a woman, his son, born of a woman, born under the law to do what? There was a purpose to redeem those who were under the law. So to redeem is to obtain or set free by paying a price. What was that price? You tell me. What was the price that God paid to set us free, to redeem us? I'm an interactive guy. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus. So I'm going to skip forward on my notes here. By the way, it looks like a lot of notes. It's just so I can read them. So another verse in the, in the scripture says, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Galatians 3.13. So Jesus was cursed for us. Now when we, uh, we unpack some of the first century adoption ideas that his audience would understand when Paul's talking about adoption, this will make sense. This is why studying the Bible is pretty cool because if you think of the adoption talk like we do adoption today, it's not the same. So it's important to know what it meant to them and then what it means to us. So redeem us who are under law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Adoptions. So now I've got to put my glasses on because this is small print. So the purpose of adoption in Roman culture was to secure the benefits of having a son in a family who was either uh, no son or an estranged son. So in the Roman culture, they could disown their son. And if you disown your son, they're not back. But if you were adopted, you cannot be disowned. So if you're struggling with eternal security or not, that's, you got to understand. It was not us. We were bought with a price. We're no longer our own. We're adopted into God's family. So we have a difference. We cannot be estranged. But the primary motivation of adopting was to continue the family line and the practices. It was someone usually who did not have an adult heir um, or someone who wouldn't have it or they disowned their son. So they wanted that to carry on. Even if you look at Caesar and all those uh, folks, they, the bloodline was all over the place. And it was through some of this. You know, sometimes they didn't have a kid. They had to get a cousin or a nephew. And I, um, I, I had poor history teachers. They were coaches. So you'll have to study more on that. Um, I was a coach who actually taught for once. But uh, in other words, when you're adopted, all your debts were canceled. Does that sound familiar? All your debts are canceled. The Bible says your sins are, for, are, are, are forgiven and they are remembered no more. As far as the what? East is from the West. That's pretty cool. And in effect, you started a new life. That's then. And so what does 1 Corinthians say? The old is gone, hold the new. Um, the adopted person did, though, lose all rights of his old family. That's pretty cool. I'm glad I'm not in that old family, that old man, that, that object of God's wrath, but gained all the rights of a legitimate family member, a legitimate family member. Got a new father. The greatest fears, and it says this in Hebrews, talks about uh, before we were adopted, one of our greatest fears is death. So if you're in God's family, if you're adopted and you are a Christian and you fear death, there's something wrong. 
Because death is but a door that we'll walk through. It's not to be feared. We're not to, it's, it's, a, it's a celebration. It's a celebration in the life. Now, it's sad for us who experience death because the person's gone. But, you know, I have people all the time who are like, well, I don't really want to die because I'll miss, I'll miss this. I'm like, you'll have no idea you missed it. You won't. You can't miss anything. I understand the struggle for the here and now, but we should not fear death. Should not fear death. Um, it's not who we are. It actually would give you a lot of freedom to go do things and to move around without fear. Um, and because uh, reading Ecclesiastes this morning, it says, you know, the day of your death is more important than the day of your birth. Now struggle with that one for a minute. <laughs> uh, pretty interesting. And then lastly, um, there had to be, so the father had to acknowledge, let's say if I wanted to adopt Fitz, you know, I needed an heir, right? I don't have, I don't have a son, right? So who, gets, who wants to be adopted? Because Cheryl and I have actually had a little bit of stuff to leave. Nobody raise their hand. Okay, I'll keep going. <laughs> so if, if I adopted Fitz, one, I would have to affirm it. I would have to adopt. He would have to surrender agree, and then there would have to be a testimony in the first culture, first century culture. So the father, given his son to redeem us, has done the work, the invite, and we surrender to what's going on. And the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit bears witness to what has happened. Do you see why Paul would talk to a Roman culture and use this kind of language? Um, because there wasn't a lot of term adoption in the Old Testament. There's not a lot. There's like, I think, three examples, and then Israel as children. And we'll talk about Israel and us and, and all that. So is that pretty cool or what? The Holy Spirit bears witness to you and your new identity as a family member. Stamp, signed, sealed, delivered. Amen. Wow. Okay, let's keep, let's keep going here. Verse 6 of Galatians 4. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. That's the Holy Spirit crying, Abba, Father. We're going to talk more about Abba, Father in a minute. That's just really cool. When you can get in your prayer life that you're saying, Abba, Father, you might be understanding actually who you are. It was awkward for me the first time. I was like, it's not very reverent, but it says, cry, Abba, Father. So here's what you're not. You are no longer a slave. We're still in the Bible here. Verse 7. You're a son and if a son, then what? An heir through God. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. So you're not a slave anymore. So those sins that had a hold on you and it still try to come after you because the enemy knows your buttons. If you quit focusing on that and focusing on who you are, those will dissipate and go away. The attacks will still come in different forms especially like a week before you preach or right before something big is going to happen in your life spiritually. Uh, it just seems that that's what happens. So now I'm like, cool, God's going to do something because it's, I can feel the attack. And so um, if you're going to do something big for God, that doesn't make the enemy happy. And so just remember to be, you know, stand firm. What? At least you fall. Okay, so it's a good reason not to Talk bad about others and all that other stuff. Just focus on what God can do through you and for you. So let's go on to, um, to Romans, and here's some more of what God says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery. So 
Again, if you're in God's family, this is saying who you are and what you did not receive. So you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Do you fear? Do you fear things? I just talked about trust in the song that Olivia sang talked about trust. I think in the sanctification process, we, we learn that as we grow and become made more in the image of Christ. There's some things that we fear, but if we take them to God, he'll wipe away the fear and remind you of who he is and who you are and that he's got this. And he's got this. It's some, some reason why some people can walk through homeless places and just stop and pray and love on people that scare the mess out of other people. You know, it's one, make sure as God's telling you your ministry and what you're doing, um, but, don't, but don't fear that. Don't fear that. Um, embrace it, because that's what God's called you to do. But here's what. You have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry. So the spirit testified by crying, Abba, Father. Now we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. There's that, there's that thing. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him, with him. I, I, uh, I saw this thing a pastor posted the other day. He goes, it's interesting. When a pastor gets up and tells personal stories, you see a lot of people engage and they lean in. But if you stay in the scripture, they kind of go back and they kind of gloss. I'm not saying what I'm seeing right now, but... My stories fail in, pale in comparison to what God has in his words. I'll try, to, I'll try to put in some stories, but God just said, let's, let's get in his word today on this because I tell you, you look around, don't be judgmental, don't be critical, but you look around, you'll see most Christians are still living in bondage. They're not living in the freedom, the truth of who they truly are. And it, and it, and it puts churches at, at angst with each other, puts uh, within the church, with outside a church, with another church. And uh, we just kind of get into this us versus them. But let's find out the next set of verses are in John um, chapter 1. In 1 John chapter 1, 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh. Okay, that means you had nothing to do with it. Nor the will of man, but of God. It's interesting uh, I don't know if you've seen this whole debate within kind of mainline Protestant evangelical about this asking Jesus into your heart kind of thing that's been going on. Um, you really need, I, I'm not going to tell you where you got to go on that, but uh, scripture so far has said that God is the actor in all this and that we surrender. And then we're going to talk a few minutes about, you know, in a words that divide churches all the time. You know, and the Calvinism and Arminianism labels again. Calvinism was labeled after Calvin died, by the way. So, if you want to know some theology on some seminary stuff, um, so God has done the adopting Himself. He knows what it cost. He know He He sent His Son. You know, Jesus said, "My God, My God, why have You forsaken Me?" That had to be a pretty, pretty interesting moment for God, the Son feeling that type of separation. I, I, I can't even fathom it. But God stands ready to support us all the way to the end in our journey. I already covered these two pages. Feeling better? 
So adoption is a legal reality. If you've gone through an adoption, you've been adopted or anything like that, it's a legal, it's a legal um, thing. Um, but why? Why did God do that? Why, why adoption? So what do we know about God? So we've got to go back to this. Um, God's justice and law demanded that we be punished and excluded from his presence for our sins. It says that we were objects of his wrath. I'm not excited about that. Okay, so if you're, I hate to say this, if you're not a Christian, that's what you are. Okay, you're an object of his wrath because he's a just God that it has to be dealt with. He can't just erase things just to erase things. Um, it would go against who, he can't go against who he is. God had to satisfy his judgment, his justice and his law in order to adopt sinners into his family. And he did that by the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, the price we talked about. And because we are his family, the Holy Spirit said will lead you into all truth. So when you open the Bible and you have a hard time understanding, just ask God for help. In fact, I saw a real clip of John Piper who's been doing this forever. He said, I was reading the Bible the other day and I realized I hadn't prayed yet. And I'm a pastor, you know, and he goes like, if we open the Bible and don't ask God to show us his glory, we won't see his glory. We'll read a book. His glory is in there and he'll show it to you. He will not hide it from his children. It will make sense. Now, you may park on that word or that verse or that context for a little while as he works it through with you. Don't try to read it like it's a book. You know, I'll start in Genesis and, you know, I'll read it like a book and get through it. I mean, God may put you through a whole book in a day and he may put you through a, a phrase in a month and let you park on that for a while. It's interesting what God wants to do, so just let him do it. Um, it's really cool. So again, bearing witness. So what's this Abba Father I've mentioned a couple times? Well, God doesn't leave us, and this is uh, actually quoted from Piper. I got a quote. That's the right thing to do. Um, God does not leave us in the condition of aliens when he adopts us. He does not leave us with no feelings of acceptance and love. Okay? There are a lot of feelings going on in our life. And we got to kind of see which ones are, are, are good. But if you're not feeling a part of God's family and you know that you are, the enemy is trying to make you um, ineffective because he can't steal your, your family title. So now he can make you ineffective. And if he makes you ineffective, then he just goes on to someone else and you're off on your own wiles for a while. That's, that's, that's the enemy's whole mantra on how to do things. Um, I'm not a devil behind every rock. The enemy's not omnipresent, you know, he doesn't have the attributes of God, but it just seems that buttons um, are easily um, poked, and also we put ourselves. Uh, remember it says, don't put yourself again into slavery. A lot of it's on us, on things we, we willingly do, um, but I don't want to beat us up there. You don't need an extra Holy Spirit. Um, I want you to hear the truth so the Holy Spirit can testify within you who you are, and then you can live from that. Um, he pours his spirit into our hearts to give us the experience of being embraced into the family. What is remarkable about uh, this text about um, Abba is his Aramaic word, okay? And when do we see it in Scripture ever before Paul starts packing the, unpacking the adoption? Do we know, anyone know with one context that it comes in? Yeah, Jesus in the garden, Absolutely. And you, you think his disciples, you know, after, after hearing that and the Holy Spirit talking to them, thought, wow, that's pretty, 
pretty amazing. We're talking about being in the family. Jesus said, I'm going to send a helper. Everything Jesus told them, they started understanding because it started happening around them. And the Holy Spirit testified in their life as well that they were family. And uh, so that's how Jesus spoke to to the Father. Um, So it was in Mark 14, 36. And he says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but you will, but your will. Has anyone ever asked God to take something away? Absolutely. I'll raise two hands. <laughs> you know, God, if you could pass this cup, but you know what? I got to follow what Jesus said. But whatever your will is, because whatever, whatever you want, you'll see me through it, even if I don't like it, because it, it's, uh, it's shaping something further. Therefore, in adopting this, God gives us the very spirit of his son and grants us to feel the affections of belonging to the very family of God. So maybe if you're not feeling the affections of being in God's family, maybe you've kind of wandered away like the prodigal. Maybe you're not sitting in the family. And and the prodigal, when he returned, what did he say to the father? Make me one of your servants. I'm not good enough to be be your kid. And the father said, you're my son. And he celebrated so if the enemy's whispering in your ear, you got to get cleaned up. You got to do all this. You got to work all this back in order to get back into God's family. That's lies. Lies, lies, lies. God's, God's, the coolest part about the prodigal son story for me that spoke to me was the father was looking for the son and was on the road. You know, he, he didn't forget his son and, and go away and make his son come back and cower to him and, and do the, uh, the five languages of apologies and how they're going to do that. He just welcomed him back. Son realized who he was. Well, actually, he realized who his father was. And the father had to remind him who he was. And don't be the older son either. Don't be bitter when someone comes home. Be happy when someone comes home. You know, he said to the older son, all this you've had all the time. I think that's where most Christians are. You know, we see something going on and we're like, why don't we get this, God? And God's like, all this you've had. (laughs) You're my son. You're my daughter. All this you've had. Why haven't you... Why haven't you accessed it. The Watchman Nee wrote a book. It's, it's pretty thick and deep, but the biggest thing I got out of it, he says, most Christians are sitting in a room praying to get in the room they're already in. God's already said, I've done it. Done your family. We don't live like that. Could you imagine if we did? Could you imagine the kids we would raise? The neighbors that would look at us weird, but kind of want to be around you? You know, because it's like, there's something different about you. I, I don't... Being around death and grief uh, a lot, I can tell you the people that amaze me the most, it doesn't change the fact that they have hurt and pain, but it changes the fact that they don't throw God away. Fight with God. If you already are angry at God, don't pretend you're not. He already knows it. King David has a bunch of Psalms like that. What does he do? He goes straight to God. Why did you, why, why you let my enemies triumph over me? But by the end of the Psalm, David's heart's changed. So just engage God. Whatever it is, engage God. The enemy says you can't. Oh, you can't be mad at God. You can't. You are already. Let God fix it. Let God fix that for you. In Romans 8, 14, it said, All who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We talked about that. Um, God does not leave us without help to bear the, the image of his family. We have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's why prayers like, Holy Spirit, please come into this place, make no sense to me. Now, I'm not picking. It's about, it's, it's, it's semantics, but it's also about truth. 
If you're, if you're going somewhere, you're taking God there, whether it's a good place or a bad place. <laughs> you're taking God there. All right? So here's what gets some people squirrely. So we're going to go to another passage in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6. It says, He, God, chose us in Him before. I want you to hear that word. Before. Before what, Robert? The foundation of the world. He wasn't kind of looking around, and maybe you grew up in Minnesota. That's a pretty good, easy steal with our large family from Minnesota. But maybe you grew up in Minnesota, and he was looking over, you know, Iowa and goes, wait, I better look over here, see what's going on. I want to pick that one. It's not like a harvest field where, you know, it's like, oh, this is a good, I was in Florida during watermelon season, so it's also a good melon. This one I'll just step on, you know. Before, now, if you don't understand it, ask God to help you. There's a lot I'm still trying to understand. God is vast. He's huge. And I think there's some things we'll never understand. Um, Sometimes I feel like I'm a mosquito on an elephant. All I can see is the little patch I'm getting nourished on. I have no idea how big the elephant is, but God is just that cool. You know? Sorry, I'm an imagery guy. Um, So that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, and this is what really messes some people up, because we want to think we have something to do with this. In love, he predestined us for adoption. So before the foundations, through his love, he predestined us for adoption. That doesn't mean you're cooler or all that. That's just, that should overwhelm you. That should like, oh my. The God said, you put your name, so you, Robert, are my child and I love you and I want you in my family. It blows, it blows me away every day. Am I worthy of that? No. But Jesus did all that work. God adopted me. And all I want to do is be, not do. Does that make sense? You know, I got to live in who I've, who I've been. And all this was as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I ask people all the time, I said, if I saved you from dying, how would you feel about me? Most people who get, you know, saved out of a traffic accident or a pool or whatever, they really love the people that do that. They send them Christmas cards for the rest of their life. They, they, they're very grateful. So much larger than that, God reached down and he plucked. He said, you, before the foundation, I already knew you. He says, I, I, I formed you in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made a masterpiece. No, I'm not. I tell you, how many people argue with me during counseling about God says this and they say they're not? I'm like, okay, so you have, you have bigger standards than God. And then they just get quiet. God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made a masterpiece. Tell your kids that. Tell your kids that God has told them they're a gift and a reward. I wonder how many of the kids heard that for the first time. And I don't know, I don't know where she's at. I'm looking for a mom real quick. But one, one little girl who, uh, whose dad deployed, I'll be joining this week, he, he went on the first flight. She says, can I please take a pen for my daddy and get it to him? I was like, you're going to make me cry right here. So what does this mean? So many people, and how you, how you get your head wrapped around this, they see creation, and it was perfect, and Adam and Eve was in the garden, and there was no sin, and oops, something happened. 
So God had to do a plan B, right? And not if you read that verse, it's not a plan B. If it was before everything, if it was predestined, it's not a plan B. It's not like God goofed up and went, well, I didn't know Adam and Eve were going to give in to the serpent. Now I got to go back to the drawing board and get a new contract, get three bids and see how I can fix this. It was not that type of thing to do. Plan A all along was the creation, the fall, redemption, adoption, so that the full range of God's grace, his glory, mercy could be known by us, his children. He invites us into relationship. Now, I don't have to understand all that. I wouldn't want to be God of all of you peoples. There's all this rebellion and everything. People throw their thumbs at God and other things, and I don't know why he wanted to do all that. I'm glad he did, and I'm glad he, I'm glad he said, Robert, you're, you're in my family. And I hope you are glad that he said that to you if you've surrendered to him. Adoption was not second best. It was planned from the beginning. So he chose us. Oh, I went that way. And I already went over earlier. Why? Because we were objects of his wrath. He was perfect. He had to, he had to do that piece and fix it. God didn't find us like on his doorstep and said, oh, how cute. Someone left Robert in a basket here. I think I'll keep him. Because one, I'm not cute. And two, I'm not a little baby. So we are unattractive. We're rebellious. And still, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you look back at Israel, a rebellious country, enslaved, right? And God said, this is my people. Today, you're my children. So it's easy to, you can't throw out the Old Testament and just stay in the New Testament. The context is all together. It's got to make sense. So as you, if you look at Israel and go, oh man, those people were so dumb. They got to see God work and then the next day they're rebellion. I've been to Israel a few times. I've seen God do some amazing things and I don't know, a time frame later, I'm in doubt for some stupid reason. So I can't pick on Israel because I'm Israel sometimes. I can only go to the truth and work through what the truth is for me. So remember, we were children of wrath as well. And in Romans 8, 22, 23 kind of throws us, but we got to talk to it. It says, the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Scripture says that. Not only the creation, but we ourselves. Um, it says, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption to sons. Wait a minute, Robert, you said we're adopted, but we're waiting eagerly to be adopted. Now you're confusing me. Okay, you got to look at the whole thing and what, what's going on. We're already adopted, and, but we're waiting. When Christ died for us, the price was paid, and when we trust him, we are legally and permanently in the family. Um, but God's purpose for adoption is not to leave any of his children in a state of groaning and suffering. What did he do with his son? He raised his son from the dead with a new body, and he promises that part of our adoption will be a new resurrection body with no more disabilities and no more groaning. I'm, I'm thankful when my knee and shoulder don't hurt every day, one day. But you know what? That's not why I want to go to heaven. If your focus on heaven is all the blessings, you're missing the point. The focus on heaven is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to be them. With that one long praise song, I could sing of your love forever, which is a long song. But the key is we often fall in love with the blessings, but we don't fall in love with the one who blesses us. So only you can find out where you're at in that aspect. 
There is much groaning in the path of adoption on the way to full salvation, but the outcome is glorious. And this is Romans 8.18. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. That's how you get through tragedy. That's how you get through something you have no control on. You understand that the Bible says there are sufferings and this world has fallen. And they, and as it says again, they're not worth comparing with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. That You've got to have an eternal mindset. Because if you get stuck in something, it's easy to let the world beat you down. It is. We're not careful. And that's why Christians, it's not necessarily good in a grief, tragic situation to say, you know, God loves you. They know that. There's a lot more in the ministry of presence to get through in that aspect. It's about being there. It's about maybe being the hands and the feet of Christ for a while. Often we flood homes of tragedy for weeks and then it goes away and then the, the, the space gets louder because it's so quiet and, and it gets huge and small at the same time. Family, we're family. If we're adopted into God's family, he's not a, an only child family. <laughs> we are family. We've got to take care of each other. And I'm relying on you to do that for sure. So let's go back. Remember the first verse I, I, I shared with you? Anybody? First John 3, 1 John 3.1 See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. In chapter 5, verse 13, I think the, the author here is saying, you know what, you're going to understand it, you're going to forget it, but let me, let me hammer it again. And this is what he says. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. Doubt does not come from God. If you're in his family, he's not about doubting you. Not, he will remind you, I love you, you're my son, you're my daughter. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. I hope you know. We're going to pray in a moment. We're going to have a song of invitation. I don't know what God wants to work in your life. I, I, I sometimes I struggle with invitations because I really want to put Christians on the spot, not the people who aren't. You know, one day I wanted to put, uh, I think I tried it once here. I asked all the Christians to come forward who, uh, who weren't afraid to admit they were Christians and stand. And I think it was misunderstood because there's no one came forward. And I was like, well, I know there are people here are Christians, so maybe I wasn't clear. We often ask people to move and uh, we won't move ourselves. So I don't know what God's doing in your life. And there's nothing magical about this um, altar. Um, it's steps and carpet. There's nothing magical about the people, the leadership team and, and Fitz and, that'll be up here. Um, hopefully that you pray with one of them if you want to. They're magical people because they're children of God. But there's something about moving. There's something about moving. I don't know what that is. And it may, it may, may not be in this time, but move somehow. And if something triggered something in your life, if you've never been adopted, just surrender. God is calling you. Acknowledge it, and the Holy Spirit will be a testimony to it. If you've like, whoa, I didn't know I was that free, come, come down and pray or, you know, say, God, hey, whatever you need, I'm ready. But So Micah is going to, right, going to play a song. Um, we're not going to wear the carpet out or anything like that or wear our ears out. Uh, Micah, if people are moving, then we'll keep playing. If 
people aren't moving, then uh, God will be in his perfect timing. And I won't stress. But let's pray as he comes forward. Almighty God, thank you that uh, you are the hero of the story. You're the, you are the initiator, the, the, the main character that uh, comes after us. We thank you that you did the work through your son, Jesus Christ, and buying us, adopting us. And no matter where anyone stands in that whole equation, I pray right now that they would be real with you in this quiet moment and do what David says, search and just say, search my heart, O God, and see if there's any iniquities in me and direct us. So we're going to stand now, God, and move as you feel and give us... uh, great confidence to not be afraid to do what we need to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So the leadership team come up, it's come up. If you want to pray with someone, they'll be praying with you. Just stand, sing, enjoy.